Now tonight, as we continue in our series, Relationship Not Rules, we come to the breaking of the Ten Commandments. Isn't that amazing that on the heels of the making of the Ten Commandments, we see the breaking of the Ten Commandments? Before Moses even gets off the mountain with the tablets, they've already broken the law. Church, why do we need the Lord? Because we can't keep the law. And at some point, you and I are going to have to understand that it revolves around a relationship with the Redeemer, not around the rules. Here we see a rebellious people. A people who reject a relationship with the Father in favor of religion. Think about that for a moment. I'd rather have religion and rituals than a relationship with the Father. That's where a lot of people are at today. You see, my prayer tonight as we go through this passage together is that we would not just recognize those idols in our life that have replaced God, but that we would repent, we would reject those idols, and we would run back to a relationship with God the Father. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. Exodus 32.1, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what's happened to this fellow Moses who brought us up from here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, take your gold rings from your ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. And all the people took the gold rings from their ears and they brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold and melted it down and molded it into the shape of a calf. And when the people saw it, they exclaimed, Oh, Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And Aaron saw how excited the people were, so he built an altar in front of the calf, and then he announced tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. The people got up early the next morning to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings, and after this they celebrated with feasting and drinking, and they indulged in pagan revelry. The Lord told Moses quickly, Go down from the mountain." Your people who you brought from the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from my way, and I have commanded them to live. They have melted down gold and made a calf, and they have bowed down, and they've sacrificed it to it, saying, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Then the Lord said, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Now leave me alone, so my fierce anger can blaze against them. And I will destroy them. Then I will make you Moses into a great nation. But Moses tried to pacify the Lord his God. Oh, Lord, he said, why are you so angry with your own people whom you've brought from the land of Egypt? With such great power and such a strong hand, why let the Egyptians say their God rescued them from, with the evil intention of slaughtering them in the mountains and wiping them from the face of the earth? Turn away from your fierce anger. Change your mind about this terrible disaster you have threatened against your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You bound yourself with an oath to them, saying, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And I will give them all of this land that I have promised to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. 
So the Lord changed his mind about the terrible disaster he had threatened to bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain, and he had in his hands the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. These tablets were God's work. The words on them were written by God himself. When Joshua heard the boisterous noise of the people shouting below them, he exclaimed to Moses, it sounds like war in the camp. But Moses replied, that is not the shout of victory, nor the wail of defeat. I hear the sound of celebration. And when they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf they had made, and he burned it. Then he ground it into powder. He threw it into water, and he forced the people to drink it. And finally, he turned to Aaron, and he demanded, What did these people do to you to make you bring such terrible sin upon them? Don't get upset, my Lord, Aaron replied. You know, you yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us up from here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. And when they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. But Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance of the camp and he shouted, All of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. And all the Levites gathered around him. And Moses told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each of you must take your swords and go back and forth from one end of the camp to the other. Kill everyone, even your brothers, your friends, your neighbors. And the Levites obeyed and Moses commanded and About 3,000 people died that day. Moses told the Levites, Today you have ordained yourselves for the service of the Lord. For you obeyed him even though it meant killing your own sons and brothers. Today you have earned a blessing. And the next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a terrible sin, but I will go up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to uh, to obtain forgiveness for your sins. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what terrible sin these people have committed. They have made gods of gold for themselves. But now if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, No, I will not erase the name. I will erase the name of everyone who has sinned against me. Now go lead the people to the place I told you about. Look, my angel will lead the way before you. And when I come to call the people to account, I will certainly hold them responsible for their sins. Then the Lord sent a great plague upon the people because they had worshipped the calf that Aaron had made. The Lord said to Aaron, get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them I would give them this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the the Hittites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, the Jezebites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you. For you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. Now jump down to verse 12 of chapter 33. One day Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, take these people up to the promised land, but you haven't told me whom you will send with me. You have told me, I know you by name, and I look favorably on you. If it is true that you look favorably on me, let me know your ways so I can understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor. 
And remember that this nation is your very own people. And the Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. And Moses said, if you don't go personally with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us set your people and me apart from all the peoples of the earth. And the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked. For I look favorably on you and I know you by name. And Moses responded, then show me your glorious presence. And the Lord replied, I will make all of my goodness pass before you and I will call out my, and you will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. But you must not look directly at my face for no one can see me and live. The Lord continued, look, stand here near me on this rock. As my glorious presence passes by, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind. But my face will not be seen. It's here that we see the rebellion of the people, number one. Why did they reject a relationship with the Father in favor of religion? Because they made it about their wants instead of God's will. They chose to focus on a timetable instead of the truth. And when things didn't go the way that they wanted, when they wanted, they walked away from God. Have you ever been there? Why do we have such a hard time waiting on God? Think about that. Moses is on the mountain for 40 days. You can't wait on God for 40 days? Sometimes God has us in this waiting period. And what happens for many of us, we stop waiting and we start worrying. Well, I wonder what happened to Moses. It was never about Moses. I wonder what's going on on the mountain. It was never about the mountain. It was about the Messiah. It was about his majesty. And most of us today, the reason that we're not waiting and we're worrying is because we don't worship in the waiting. We make it about our way. You see, we're no different today. We become impatient with God. And instead of leaving things in his hands, we take things into our own hands. And what do we do? Well, I've got to find a substitute. I've got to find a substitute to save me from my current dilemma. Because here I am and I don't know what's going on in the mountain and I can't trust God. And so I'm going to find a substitute. But here's the thing. You don't just look to the substitute. You start living for the substitute. You start loving the substitute. You start giving your loyalty to the substitute. Here's the reality. They walk by sight and not by scripture. They walk by sight and not by what God said. So let me ask you in your life, are you making it about your wants or about God's will? Are you walking by sight or what God says in scripture? You see, a lack of waiting led to worrying. And here's the reality What you feed your heart is what will fill your head. And instead of feeding their heart the word of God, they started to feed their heart their wants. And so instead of their head being filled 
with the will of God. It started to be filled with worry. Where are you at? Are you trusting in the truth or have you tethered your life to a timetable? Are you trying to get God to work according to your calendar or are you trusting and keeping calm? You see, it's here in the midst of the rebellion that we see the results of rejecting a relationship in favor of religion. What you and I discover here is that they traded the glory of God for garbage. They turned around and they traded the blessing for bondage. They went right back to the slavery of Egypt. Every time you and I run away from a relationship, we will run to religion. It will be about the rituals, it will be about the rules, and it will no longer be about freedom in Jesus Christ. You see, the first thing that we see, the results of rebellion here, is a loss of leadership. Not just a lack of leadership, a complete loss of leadership. In Moses' absence, before he went on the mountain, Moses made it absolutely clear, Aaron is to lead the people. If you've got a problem, if you've got a dispute, you need to go talk to Aaron. But you see, Aaron let the people down. Why? Because he made it about being liked and not about leading. Those of you who are parents, those of you may be listening online that God's called you to be a pastor or a parent, we are not called to please people. We are called to please Jesus Christ. If you are a parent, if you are a pastor, you are called to be a shepherd. And here's the thing about shepherds. Shepherds meet the need of the sheep, not the wants of the sheep. Parents, I really want to challenge you. Would you start meeting the needs of your kids, not the wants of your kids? Why do we see so many disrespectful and disobedient kids today? It's because parents have made it about being liked instead of about loving their kids enough to lead. Let me tell you something about leadership. Rarely are leaders liked in their lifetime. If you look at some of the great leaders and go back and study while they were liked, most of the time they weren't liked. Some of them were even loathed. Let me tell you something about leadership. Leadership is lonely. Parents, it's not about being liked by your kids. It's about leading your kids into a loving relationship with the Lord. So let me ask you, what voice are you listening to today? Is it the voice of the crowd or the voice of Jesus Christ? And I'm going to tell you, it's so easy to cower to the crowd. It it is so easy to cave to the wants of your kids instead of the needs of your kids. You see, the voice that you listen to will determine the life that you lead. First result of rejecting a relationship for religion, a loss of leadership. Second, we see a complete waste of time, talents, and treasures on their wants instead of investing them in worship. What did they do with their gold? They made a God. Now, prior to this, 
God had made it absolutely clear through Moses that the people were to bring their tithes to him. But now they're tying their treasures to a false god. But I want you to see something here. It's not just about wasting our treasure. They wasted their time and their talents. Now, Aaron wants Moses to believe that he just threw the gold in there and out popped this guy. Wouldn't that be awesome? Hey, man, how'd you remodel that whole car? Oh, I just threw it in the junk scrap, and out came this really nice car. No, you invested what? A bunch of time in that, Aaron. Scripture says that you, you had to melt it down. You ever think how long did it take to melt that down? And then he had to make some molds, right? And then he had to hammer that out and shape it and fashion it. What does that take? It takes talent. Well, church, I'm going to tell you, we have a limited amount of treasure. We know that, right? But have you figured out you have a limited amount of time yet? See, some of you are young enough, you've never projected to the end of your life. You, you, you think you've got all the time in the world. Our time is limited. Our treasure is limited. But do you realize your talents are limited? The things that you can do today, you maybe can't give you tomorrow. I have sat with senior saints that, that, that feel bad about the fact that, that there's things that they used to be able to do and serve God with their talents that they no longer can do. And so doesn't it make sense if our time, our talents, and our treasure are so limited, doesn't it make sense to use them for the Lord? To invest them in Jesus instead of a joke? Because I'm reading this passage and I'm like, seriously, people? But are we any different today? How much money, time, and talent have we got tied up in sports? How much time, talent, and treasure have we invested in the idols of our life? And, and we're, we're not taking care of the treasure. We're treating God's talents, time, and treasure like trash. Because we're wasting them on worthless things. It also tells us here that one of the results of rejecting a relationship in favor of religion is it leads to living a lie instead of living for the Lord. You notice what they say here in verse 4. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? You just made this. How in the world could you ever believe that kind of a lie? It's pretty easy if it's not the first lie you've been listening to. If you go back to verse 1, what do they say? We don't know what happened to Moses, this fellow who brought us out of Egypt. Moses didn't bring them out of Egypt. He was just the servant. It was the Savior who did the work of redeeming and rescuing. See, here's the thing. If you're going to follow a man, if you're going to live out a lie, it's going to be really easy to listen to the next lie. It's not just that they bought into a lie. They started to build their life on a lie. You and I, when we buy into these lies, start to build on these lies. And it's not long before we start to invest our time, our talent, our treasure, building into what we've bought into. And I want to ask you, are there any lies in your life that you're building into? Because here's the thing, you cannot live for the Lord and listen to the lies. You're either going to live a lie or you're going to live for the Lord. It's either a lie or it's truth. You're either basing your life on truth or on trash. How do you go 
from following God out of Egypt through the Red Sea to a calf-worshipping cult. Well, when you're following a man, it's not long before you forget about the presence of God. And I'm going to tell you that there are many people that are on the edge of a cult because they're really not following Christ. If you truly, truly, in your heart of hearts are following Jesus Christ, that it is about the Messiah and not about a man, you're not going to fall for the cults of this world because you know Christ. Are you living your life for the applause of men or the approval of the master? That's a challenging question. And why a calf? Doesn't that seem strange? Some of you are like, well, we're cattle people. That's not strange. (laughs) Why did they start to worship a calf? Where did that come from? It came from the culture they had just come from. You see, in Egypt, they had this bull that they would worship. When you and I walk away from Christ, we walk right back to the culture. And one of two things is going to be true in your life. You're either going to be worshiping Christ or worshiping what the culture worships. And some of you are like, yeah, but people don't worship calves today. That's just crazy, right? No, they do. I just met someone two weeks ago that's what I would call a calf worshiper, not a Christ worshiper. Because calves are the creation, not the creator. And today we have a whole country that are worshiping calves. They're worshiping the creation and not the creator. Two weeks ago I was on the mountain in Estes Park. I'm doing a wedding at this facility, and the coordinator for the wedding that that works for this facility, we were doing the rehearsal, and the next day it's forecast for bad weather, and everyone's worried about it. And here's what she said. We need to ask the universe for good weather. It's a calf worshiper. And very quietly and very gently I said to her, why don't we ask the creator of the universe? Do you see how subtle that is? Let's ask the universe. No, let's ask the creator of the universe. See, today we're we're worshiping the creation and not the creator. And we laugh at these people because they're just, they're fools, right? But are we any different today? You see, we, we kid ourselves into thinking we've gotten smarter. We haven't gotten smarter. We're sinning the exact same way. We just changed the name. So let me ask you, in your life, are there any idols? Are there any substitutes? Because here's the thing about substitutes. Instead of depending on the Savior, we depend on the substitutes. You see, we depend on the substitutes for salvation. But they don't lead us to salvation, they lead us to sin. And some of you today, instead of trusting the Savior, you're trusting in a substitute. Worshiping creation and not the creator. Fourth thing that we see here is they start to follow their feelings instead of following the father. When Aaron saw, verse 5, how excited the people were, he built an altar in front of the calf and he announced, tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Do you notice that? When Aaron saw how excited the people were, he built an altar. What was it based on? It was based on emotion, not devotion. Man, I see a lot of churches going down that path today. We're all excited. Why? Because it's built on our feelings. And I'm not saying that we, we are, are not supposed to have feelings. I've been in those churches too, and it's like, did these people die and forget to actually go in the ground? 
No, we're, we're supposed to have emotions, right? But we are not driven by emotion. We are driven by devotion. Devotion to God the Father. Because here's what happens. When you follow your feelings, your feelings will feed your flesh. But when you follow God the Father, that will feed your faith. Are you feeding your feelings or your faith today? Is it about your flesh or is it about the Father? Is it emotion-driven or devotion-driven? Because you know what happens to emotions? They come and go like waves. And I watch people. They get all fired up at one church and then that kind of, and then they're somewhere else all excited. And they're, they're driven by their feelings, not by God the Father. You see, Aaron here says, tomorrow we're going to build this altar and we're going to worship who? Remember, they've built a golden calf, but who does he say they're going to worship? Tomorrow will be a festival to the Lord. Do you see the holy name of God that's used there? Do you see the breaking of the third commandment? You should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And what does he actually do here? He starts using the holy, holy name of God and he ties it to the golden calf. What is he doing? He's cherry picking his religion. It's called pluralism. It's where we go and it's kind of like the smorgasbord. It's kind of like the buffet where you and I go and we go, ooh, I like that and I like that. and I don't want any of that. I want that. It's what prosperity preachers do today. Do you realize if you're going to be a prosperity preacher, you've got to do a lot of cherry breaking of the scriptures because you want to pick out the blessing and you want to pick out the reward and you want to pick out the prosperity and, and how God's going to bless your life, but, but you don't pick out the identify yourself with Christ's sufferings. Submit yourselves and, and serve the Lord even to death. You, 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 you sort of skim over those scriptures. And it's what a lot of us are doing today in our faith. We don't really have a Christian faith. We've got pluralism. Where we've picked out different parts of things that we want. And we've created our own substitute Savior. And we call him Jesus, but he's not really Jesus. It's just junk. It's just a joke. So what happens? We really are not worshiping anything at all. We're worshiping ourselves because it's what we've created. You can't tell me you are worshiping the creator if you're the one that created what you're worshiping. You see, this is the religion that is running America today. We're worshiping our wants. That's where we're at as a nation. That is why we have become a people who are following our feelings. And have you noticed something about the country? As long as you feed into the feelings, they're fine. But the moment you stop feeding into their feelings, they freak out. The moment that you stop feeding into their feelings, they start becoming frantic fanatical and they start to fight you and you see it all the time as long as you agree with people's feelings it's fine but the moment that you somehow disagree with what they believe or how they feel they become fanatical and they start to fight you why is that going on because we have become 
followers of our feelings in this country, not followers of God the Father. So what do we do? We come to a place in our life where we say, I'm not going to be driven by emotion. I'm going to be driven by devotion. Because if not, the next thing that we see here is it becomes a lust-based life, not a love-based life. Do you notice the people got up early the next morning and they went out and they had the peace offerings and man, it looked good. It looked like church. And then what was right on the heels of that? Pagan revelry. Do you know what that means? 1 Corinthians tells us that they were, they were naked. They were dancing around naked. God's people. Can you imagine that craziness in church? I mean, we're praising one moment and it's pornography the next moment. That's what Scripture's saying here. They didn't show up to praise God. It was never about the presence of God. It was about the party. And there are some of us today, we got one foot in the church and one foot in the culture. We're going to praise him right now and later on tonight, it's going to be pornography. But do you realize how they involved their families? You see, Aaron started it by saying, go get the gold from your wives, your kids, include everyone. Parents, when we're living these, these lives where we're mixing in these different religions and trying to call it a relationship, we're including our kids in that. But here's the sad part. You got little kids watching all this sexual immorality. Let me ask you, what's going on in the heart of your home? Dads, I want to challenge you specifically when it comes to the perversion here of pagan revelry. We're talking about pornography. This is very current to our culture today. And you think you're the only one that knows. Do you realize you're involving your kids? You're tying their hearts to a lust-based life, not a love-based life. What's the difference? Lust-based lives are about getting. Love-based lives are about giving. But it's here that we're reminded of the reality, number three. God sees their sin. Whatever's going on in your heart, whatever's going on in your home, God knows. Moses had no idea he's just enjoying his time on the mountain with God, right? He's clueless. But understand this, Christ is not clueless about what's going on in the camp. He knows exactly what's going on in the camp, and he repeats it word for word. This is scary scripture here. God knows exactly not only what they say, but what they do. He knows their heart of hypocrisy. He knows that they've bought into following a man and they're freaking out because they can't find Moses and they don't know what's going on. He knows about the golden calf. He knows all about their worship. And what does he say? He reveals it to his leader. Here's what's going on in the lives of your people. Some of you at different times have sent me emails and you've said, man, it's like you live in my house when you preach. I have no clue what goes on in your home, but God does and the same spirit that's in you is in me. Sometimes God pricks our hearts. But what you need to understand here is the sin that they allowed to infect their lives also affected Moses' life. It cut his time on the mountain short with God. And I'm telling you, guys, gals, your sin doesn't just infect you. It affects a community. It affects the people around you. 
And it's here that you and I see several results from the ramifications. And the first is the breaking of the commandments. Not just the physical breaking of the commandments. And I want you to see how special these were. God wrote himself. Man, if you had something, a possession in your house, imagine if you had one of the commandments and you were like, God literally burned that, chiseled that into the stone himself. I can touch the very work of God. How precious would that be to you? And what happened? It was broken. But you see, it wasn't about the physical breaking of the commandments. It was about the spiritual breaking of the commandments. And it wasn't about the breaking of rules. It was a break in relationship. Sin always separates us from God. The first four commandments revolve around our relationship with God. And what did they do? We're going to break them. And what happened? It broke their relationship with God. It's here that you and I also see a ramification that they had to drink their disobedience. And this is what's crazy to me, you know. Moses goes down the mountain. He sees what's going on. He burns the golden calf. He grinds it into powder. He puts it into water and he makes the people drink it. He forces them to drink it. How long did that take to burn it and grind it down? And the people are watching like, what's he doing? Don't don't you think this is like a little overboard, Moses? Why did Moses go to those kinds of lengths? Because it's not easy to get rid of a lie. You see, it's four times harder to get rid of the lie than to believe the lie. And had Moses left just a little bit of the lie to linger, it would have come back to life. You see, Moses symbolically was saying, here's what's in your system. Here's what's in your heart. But you see, here's the thing. You've got to pass this. You've got to get this out of your system. And for some of us today, we've got to come face to face with that. We, we've got a substitute in our system. We're not really trusting on the Savior. And here's what has to happen. That substitute has to be burned, ground down, poured into water, and we've got to, what, drink our disobedience. We've got to deal with it. We've got to get it out of our system. You see, it's also here that you and I see that Aaron was called to account. And don't you love his response? It's not my fault. It's the people. You know how bad the people are? Let me tell you something about terrible leadership. Terrible leadership will always blame it on other people. Terrible leadership will never take personal responsibility for what God has called them to. And Aaron here wants to to throw out one of the biggest lies possible. We just threw it in the fire and it's out, out this came. Can you imagine being one of the people, first you're standing there and he blames you, and then he comes up with this bogus lie. Why? Because again, when we're living the lies, this just fits right in with his lifestyle. I'm listening to the lie that we're following a man, Moses. Now I'm listening to the lie that the gods just brought us out of Egypt, to golden calves. And now I'm listening to the lie that we just threw it in. See, you just start believing these lies. Some of you, when you get confronted with things, your first response is just a lie. Why? Because it's your lifestyle. Let me tell you something. The calf didn't come out of the fire by chance. It came out because of choice. 
Some of you, you've, you haven't even opened your Bibles this week. You've never read God's Word. It's not by chance. It's a choice. Some of you, you didn't pray. Not by chance, by choice. Why? Because other things have become more important. And you and I are going to have to be held to account by God, and he's going to say, hey, what about this? And we're going to want to come up with these bogus lies, right? But let me tell you, it's not by chance that you're chasing after other things than Christ. It's because that's what you've been feeding your heart, and that's what's filling your head. You see, it's here that we also see that sin gives Satan an opportunity to celebrate in verse 25. Instead of being a light to the nations around them, they became a laughingstock. You know what happens to our witness when we engage in worldliness? It becomes worthless. Are you a light to your community or or are you just a laugh? One of the reasons that people see Jesus as a joke is the way that we live. It's because like these people, we praise him on Sunday, we party on Monday. We show up, we get up early and, and it looks all great and we sing the praise songs and, and we got our hands in the air and, and, it, and it seems like it's all about Jesus, but it's really not about Jesus, it's, it's about self. You see, it's also here that, that you and I see that sin brings suffering. There's a seriousness to sin. And sin will seem fun for a season until you suffer. And it will bring suffering in your life. You see, here's a people who chose pleasure over God's presence. They chose to, to feed the flesh instead of feeding their faith. And many of us today, we have made the goal of our life happiness. That is our goal. And that's what we've communicated to our kids. You need to study hard, get a good job so you can get a good uh, house so you can be happy. Look around our nation. I don't see a lot of happy people. I see a lot of people that are miserable living in big houses. I see a, a lot of storage units and I see a lot of stuff and I see a lot of possessions and I see a lot of pleasure, but I don't see a lot of happiness. You see, happiness is a byproduct of holiness. Holy people are happy people because they've got a content joy in Jesus. But the only way to get to holiness is the presence of God. If you want pleasure, it starts with his presence. And many of us today, we're missing the true happiness because we're not chasing after the holiness. It's here that you and I lastly see the restoration. You see, there's a big difference between Aaron and Moses. And I think if we evaluate our life, most of us, we're more like Aaron than Moses. They were brothers. Same family. Church, it's not about your genetics. It's about your choices. It's about your decisions. And we got a whole country today that's saying, it's just the way you are. Can't help it. It's your genetics. You're born that way. It's, it's not your genetics. It's your choice for God. You see, every time Aaron had a choice here, he chose to cower to the crowd instead of to live for Jesus Christ. He, he chose likes over the Lord. But what about Moses? Instead of pleasing the people, Moses prayed for the people. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? 
People are going to want you to please them. But God's called you to pray for them. And you see, Moses interceded for the people. He loved them. Now think about this for a moment. If you had just drugged me off the mountain with God and gone 50 steps backward in your faith, would I like you? But that's not the question. I'm not going to like it. The question becomes, am I going to love you? You see, church, it's not about liking people. It's about loving people. And Moses loved his people. And one of the challenges to to me is that your leadership will be determined by your love. Your leadership as a dad will be determined by your love for your family. Your leadership as a mom will be determined by your love for your family. Your leadership in your business will be determined by your love. And to the degree you love will be to the degree you lead. Because here's what's amazing. Moses interceded for the people. He came to God and he pleaded with God. Now I want to take just a moment before we wrap this up. And I want you to watch a video with me. Thursday, May 3rd. All across this nation. People will be going to work. Going to school. Connecting with friends. Spending time with family. People will be traveling. Going to games. Sitting at home. Serving far away. People will be hurting. Hopeless. Empty. Broken. People will make choices. That break the relationship they have with their friend. Coworker. Classmate. Brother. Sister. Wife. Husband. Children. Parents. People will cause pain, suffer harm, feel neglect, carry shame. All of these cause them to isolate, reject, push away, disconnect, abandon, hide. Thursday, May 3rd, all across this nation, people will be doing what has become normal in a culture of brokenness, of selfishness, of pride, of idolatry, of godlessness. What will you be doing? 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 I am going to pray. I am going to pray. I am going to pray. Pray for this nation. My nation. Our leaders. Our military. Our businesses. Our people. Pray for our cities. My city. Our neighbors. Our schools. Our youth. Our families. Pray for our churches. My church. Our pastors. Our leaders. Our programs. Our ministries. Pray for unity. Pray for unity. Pray for unity. Unity that battles brokenness. Selfishness. Pride. Idolatry. Godlessness. Unity that is found in Christ alone. Unity that is found in Christ alone. Found in Christ alone. Found in Christ alone. Unity that is found in Christ alone. Will you join me? 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 Will you join us? Those are the kids of this church. That's our youth. And here's the call. Are we going to intercede for this nation? As Christians, we have gotten caught up in a lot of complaining about this country. And not a lot of praying. 
And here's my challenge to us as a church. Our youth are leading the way. That's an awesome thing to happen on church. But here's the question. Have we got a couple of hours to come on May 3rd and actually pray? Are we just going to keep complaining about our country? Moses loved people enough not just to lead them, but to intercede for them. And what's amazing here is God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to take you to the promised land. Now, remember, he's living in the desert. Do you like living in the desert? It's pretty dry, right? It's not a lot of fun living in the desert. I'm going to take you to the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. But here's the deal, Moses, I'm not going with you. And you know what Moses said? Most amazing thing of all. God, if you're not going, I don't want to go. I would rather dwell in the desert with you than to live in luxury deserted by you. Hebrews tells us this in 11, 25, and 26, talking about Moses. He chose to share in the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. What was that reward? It was not the promised land. It was the presence of the Lord. You see, if it was the promised land and that was the reward, he would have said, man, I'm out of here. But he said, I just want to be wherever Jesus is. And if that's in the desert, that's where I want to dwell. Is that your heart today? Are you focused on a problem-free life or the presence of the Lord of life? You see, tonight we're going to close with an altar call. And for some of you, there are some substitutes in your heart that you are serving. And it's time for you to come and, and, and to just give those up to God. For some of you, you're at a place where, where, where you have rejected a relationship and you've made it about the rules. It's really not about the Lord. It's about some list that you're following. For, for some of you, it's, it's not you. Maybe it's one of your kids or a coworker, somebody that you know that is, is caught up in a lifestyle and, and you're just going to come and you're just going to intercede for them. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's going on in your life. I'm just on the mountain with God, but I'm not God. But he does know what's going on in your heart. And he knows the hurt. He knows the things that that are controlling your life. And and this is an opportunity for us to come. And there's nothing special. It's concrete covered by carpet. But it's just getting up and coming and saying, it's not about the concrete. It's not about the carpet. Jesus, it's about you. So it's an invitation for you to come to Christ tonight. And I'm just going to pray, and then I'm inviting you to come. Father, we have so rejected a relationship with you that we're caught up in a religion that's killing us. And I just ask for freedom right now for people that, that need to come. Maybe they need to intercede for their friends, their family. Maybe it's for themselves. But God, that we would... We would not worry about the way that we look. We would just care about your heart and we would come. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Come to the altar.
It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it. But it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. So oh. 